Hello, wherever you're tuning in from in the world today, and welcome to the second day of content at CPHI Discover. I'm Gareth Carpenter, Pharma Editor at Informer Markets, and today in the second podcast in our series focusing on formulation approaches and techniques, we're going to take a look at how co-crystals are transforming drug development. Co-crystals are crystalline materials composed of two or more different molecules, typically APIs and co-crystal formers in the same crystal lattice. Tailoring of co-crystals can provide opportunities to not only enhance bioavailability and stability, but also the processability of APIs during drug manufacturing. In this podcast, we're going to take a look at how the use of co-crystals has evolved and what are the best approaches to screening and selecting co-crystals to identify the most viable ones to help find suitable development candidates. And as ever with these learning exercises, it's always extremely useful to have an expert at hand to guide us. So I'm very pleased to say that I'm joined by Andy Singh, founder and CEO at Asha Pharma, a San Diego-based company specialising in polymorph salt and co-crystal screening and selection. Andy has over 15 years of experience in the fields of crystallization, solid form discovery and selection, particle engineering and pre-formulation. He's worked in solid form and pre-formulation groups at large pharmaceutical companies such as Bristol Myers Squibb and Boehringer Ingelheim and multiple CROs. He's authored seven journal articles, 13 national and international posters and presentations, seven patent applications and numerous internal technical reports. Andy, it's a pleasure to welcome you to the CPI Discover podcast. Thanks very much, Gareth, for the kind introduction. Uh, pleasure to be here. If we could get to the subject in hand, Andy, could you briefly define exactly what co-crystals are and how they're formed? Uh, absolutely, Gareth. For the relevance of this audience, I'll make sure that I stick to the FDA's view. Co-crystals are crystalline materials composed of two or more different molecules. In pharmaceuticals, typically active pharmaceutical ingredients or APIs and co-crystal formers, often called co-formers, are the components in the same crystal lattice. Now, unlike salts, the components of a co-crystal do not interact ionically. Another way of looking at them is as a special case of solvates and hydrates, wherein the second component, the co-former, is not a solvent and is non-volatile. Another thing I would like to add is, uh, very interestingly, co-crystals can also have their own polymorph solvates and hydrates themselves. When did the pharmaceutical industry first get involved in co-crystal formulation and what was the rationale for doing so? So although the overall history of co-crystals goes at least as far back as 1844, in the pharma industry, significant interest in this field uh, really began in the 2000s. I would say during this time, large pharma companies began developing their internal co-crystal screening protocols. Co-crystal formation can really diversify solid form choices, as opposed to only looking at polymorphs and salts, and thereby increase the chances of identifying suitable drug development candidates. Now, this is especially true for APIs that are difficult to crystallize on their own, have non-ionizable functional groups, or have low pKa values, which makes formation of stable salt options really challenging. And Andy, in 2018, the uh, Food and Drug Administration in the United States published guidance clarifying the regulatory classification of pharmaceutical co-crystal solid-state forms for companies planning to submit new drug applications. 
In your eyes, why do you think the FDA felt the need to clarify this issue? And, and what's been the effect of this move in terms of the use of co-crystals in formulation? So I'm actually going to go back to 2013 when the FDA issued their uh, original co-crystal guidance. And this guidance classified co-crystals as a drug product intermediate. Now, this classification contributed to some uncertainty regarding the interpretation of this guidance. To give you an example, in R&D settings, uh, when me and my colleagues are working on co-crystals, uh, they are treated very similarly to salts and are considered a drug substance solid form. Similarly, in a commercial setting, co-crystals are typically manufactured in drug substance facilities. So when classified as a drug product intermediate, additional GMP requirements would apply with no really clear benefit. So this guidance was not conducive to the development of co-crystals. Now, I'm glad the FDA, in response to this and other feedback from key stakeholders, reconsidered the appropriate classification of co-crystals. In 2016, I believe, uh, there was a revision of the guidance, which was finalized, as you said, in 2018, addressing these concerns, and from regulatory perspective, reclassified pharmaceutical co-crystals similar to polymorphs of the API. And with this clarity, there has been an exponential increase in interest in the field. And personally, I expect to see a significantly higher number of co-crystals making it to the market in the coming years. Great to hear that the doors are finally opening. So what are the main benefits and advantages of co-crystals which make them so suitable for pharma formulation manufacturing? What are their main applications within the pharma industry currently? So co-crystals can be used as an alternative approach to enhance a specific physical, chemical and biopharmaceutical properties of APIs when the approaches of polymorph or salt formation do not meet the expected targets. Now, one of the biggest advantages of co-crystals is that they even work with non-ionizable molecules when salt formation is simply not an option. In terms of API properties, I would say solubility enhancement is one of the most important applications for co-crystals. In fact, recently I was reading a review that estimated that 40% of existing drug products and up to 90% of new chemical entities have limited aqueous solubility. This is some co-crystals could come in really handy. In addition to solubility and dissolution rate enhancement, co-crystals have also been used for the optimization of other properties, including hygroscopicity, physical and chemical stability, and mechanical properties of APIs. You mentioned previously that the FDA guidance has incentivized a lot of interest in co-crystals, but what for you so far have been the key drivers of the increase in their use in pharmaceutical applications? So in my opinion, I would say the first driver always has to be the science itself. So the field of co-crystal engineering has been developing over the years, and co-crystals today are fairly well understood. Now, while there's still work to be done, particularly on the scale-up and manufacturing side, we know co-crystals essentially better than we've ever known them. Second, I would yeah, definitely go back to what you were saying, the FDA guidance. So the finalization of the FDA's guidance has been another key driver. It has led to just a greater degree of comfort in the adoption of co-crystals in the pharma industry. And I can tell you that personally speaking, today I feel much more comfortable proposing co-crystals as an option to our clients than a few years back, knowing that any resistance, if at all, would be uh, much lower. And I would say, finally, 
you know, the ever-increasing challenges as pharma molecules become more complex, and in particular, as I was speaking earlier, their low aqueous solubility has encouraged scientists to look more and more towards this promising and relatively new field. And Andy, can you identify the main approaches and methods to screening and selecting co-crystals and let us know what, in your view, are the best or most appropriate ones? Yes, absolutely, Gareth. I'll try not to go on forever because this could be a really long one. So I would say a two-part approach is highly recommended to help discover a high number of viable co-crystals. Now, the first part of this approach is structure-based design, making sure the right co-formers are picked for a particular API. Within this first part, the propensity to have intermolecular interactions, typically hydrogen bonding, between the API and co-former is considered very, very important. The second part involves using various experimental co-crystallization approaches with each co-former that you've selected. Now, these include, among many others, techniques such as dry and solvent-aided grinding, melt crystallization, slurry-based approaches, evaporation crystallization techniques, cooling crystallization techniques, anti-solvent experiments, reactive crystallization, to name a few. With all of these techniques, I would say using a diverse solvent matrix in these experiments is also highly recommended. Going back to the second part of your question, in my opinion, the best or most appropriate approach really depends on the system being studied, the drug development timeline, and what data is available. Now, as an example, for early stage work, solid state methods such as grinding and melt crystallization can be used to identify leads. Essentially, they do not need large quantities of material or labor and do not need a lot of preliminary data. However, the issue with some of these methods is they're not typically scalable and practically speaking can only be used to identify promising systems and or uh, generate seeds. Solution-based approaches, on the other hand, are uh, scalable, but they're slightly more labor-intensive and have a few of them require solubility data for both the API and the co-former in uh, various solvent systems. So in general, I would recommend a combination of solid-state methods and slow evaporation to generate hits, followed by collection of additional data and experimentation to come up with a scalable solution-based method. And finally, Andy, just to wrap up the uh, podcast, innovation's a word we hear a lot of in the pharma industry and with good reason. What does the future hold for co-crystals in the pharmaceutical sector in terms of drug development? Is there any scope for newer applications in pharma? So I couldn't uh, agree more with what you said, Gareth. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I love working in the pharma industry is its drive to constantly innovate. I am very excited about the future of co-crystals. In addition to currently being studied applications, there are a number of new options. And if I had to pick one, it would be ternary co-crystals with two APIs co-crystallizing with the same co-former. Now, whether the two APIs are combination drugs fighting the same indication together or attacking different indications, with ternary co-crystals, the possibilities are uh, truly, truly endless. Wonderful. Andy, thanks for sharing your expertise with us today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, Gareth. Thank you to you and to CPHI. That's it for today's CPHI Discover podcast. To find out what else is available in our packed schedule of content for this huge virtual event, please do head to cphi.com. 
Have a great day ahead and thanks for listening.